Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul here on a Wednesday, I believe it is. Let's see here. Yes, April 19th. It's a beautiful day again outside, enjoying this amazing spring weather. We're enjoying this amazing sermon by Jesus, the greatest sermon ever preached, walking through the Sermon on the Mount. And what we are doing is camping out on the passage that we're going to be preaching on this coming Sunday as a way of walking through it together, um, exegeting it together, unpacking it, and applying it. And, and Lord willing, you're not just getting biblical information, you're, you're also getting some helps in how to study the Bible for yourself. So we are to that section, it's the meat of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is, is talking about what it means to be a, a follower of Christ, a citizen of the kingdom with King Jesus at the helm. What are our lives to look like? What does it mean to align ourselves with the values and priorities of the kingdom? And verse 20 is the key verse, right? In chapter five, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And what Jesus is talking about there is not righteousness as in perfection, but righteousness as in a transformed heart that what the Pharisees were doing was for show, it was outward obedience, but internally their hearts were not aligned with the purposes and priorities of God. They did the, these things to be seen by other people, to win accolades, to, to be praised, to be affirmed, but their hearts were, were far from God. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, that's not the sort of heart that of the of the people that are going to occupy uh, my kingdom um, you have to have transformed hearts the inward ouching um, uh, matching the outward which of course only happens by grace of course um, and jesus's life and death and resurrection for us so that, that that's sort of the context and there are six areas that jesus is wanting to address um, specifically as he reflects back on Old Testament law and pinpoints ways that this law has been misinterpreted, misrepresented by the Pharisees, and to also take us deeper into the law, to show us what's underneath the commandment, so to speak. And we have been camping out in the first of these areas, anger, right? And this is um, built off the sixth command, you shall not murder. Now, we're going to go on and look at this second area um, that Jesus addresses, lust, because this involves the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. And this is, I think, probably the best way to divide these up is to do them in pairs. And the reason we're going to do them in pairs and preach through them in pairs is that this seems to be the flow of Jesus's argument. He's, he's building a foundation and then um, pointing to a crescendo of where the law and the prophets are fulfilled. So he starts, let me just kind of give you a little flyover of this. So for example, the first two areas that Jesus addresses have to do with anger and lust, the sixth and seventh commandment. Think about that as your foundational building block, right? Who we are before God. And then he's going to talk about divorce and oaths. And this is where we are talking about relationships, okay? And that's built upon uh, the foundation of, of the law, the commandments. And then finally, he's going to talk about retaliation and loving your enemies. And here, this is going to sort of um, 
encompass and spread out to all of our relationships. So relationship with God, relationship with intimates, okay, and then relationship with everyone, which which ends in this crescendo, you love your enemies, okay? And so so I think looking at these in pairs is probably the, the most fruitful way to do this. So we've been looking at anger. Now we're going to look at lust. And let me read the text and and let's let's jump in. So this is verse 27 of chapter 5 in Matthew. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that for your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. So what we have here, in a lot of ways, is a similar pattern to what we saw with the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. And one of the things that we've been talking about um, is this idea that Jesus is not just putting his finger on the action He's putting his finger on the attitude, not just what's external, but also what's internal, not just the outward behavior, but the inward heart. Because as we saw with anger, someone doesn't just wake up one day and decide to commit murder, right? There is a whole process there. There is a, there's an internal corruption happening of anger and bitterness and resentment, uh, fractured relationships. Think about Cain and Abel that ultimately explodes into the into this horrid external act of murder and when all, all along it's been building and being cultivated in the heart and so the the pharisees thought we we didn't physically kill anybody check the box right and jesus is saying but your hearts are so corrupt interestingly don't we see this with their execution of him they hated him and, and reviled him so much that it built up over time that they ultimately ended up in murder. Well, we need to understand this seventh commandment in the same way. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And again, they were looking at that saying, well, we are being physically faithful to our wives. So we've got this one checked too. Check it off. And Jesus is saying, not so fast, my friend, right? as Lee Corso on, on ESPN Game Day would say. He says, if you want to know where adultery comes from, it doesn't come from the mere external act of committing physical adultery. It starts in the heart. So again, no one gets up um, and, and finds themselves in a completely faithful marriage and then says, today's the day I want to commit physical adultery or leave my family or go find another life or another wife or another spouse. Those things only happen over the course of time as they are treasured up, pondered, and, and sort of um, coveted in the heart, right? And then ultimately, they sort of... Um, explode out of of the inner heart into outward manifest outward manifestations of righteousness and so jesus tells us verse 28 but i say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent 
has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And Jesus here is really trying to help us identify the serious nature of cultivating and guarding our hearts. Now, next time, as in tomorrow, we'll look at verses 29, 30, uh, 29 and 30 and talk about all this. What does all this language mean about right eye causes you to sin and uh, right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, pluck it out. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow. But, but for right now, we need to have what Jesus says about adultery land on us, that the person who is guilty before God is not the one who commits external acts of fornication. It's the one who cultivates first internal acts in their heart. Um, he doesn't say, uh, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her. He doesn't say you look at her with lustful intent and then you, um, and then you may be on your way to committing adultery. You know, he says you've already committed adultery. And so let, let me say two things about this verse 28. This idea who looks at a woman with lustful intent. This is, let me say what this means and doesn't mean. What Paul doesn't mean is that we are aesthetics and that we don't recognize human beauty, okay? Um, Paul's not saying you have to go around like one of those Clydesdales in the in the uh, Budweiser commercials with the, with the flaps over their eyes to keep their um, focus on the front. Although um, there's good reasons for doing that for the horses, but that's not, that's not what Paul has in mind. I mean, I'm sorry, what Jesus has in mind right here. When he talks about lustful intent, he means a sort of not, I recognize that person as beautiful, or I recognize that person as admirable or attractive or a beautiful human being or something like that. What he means, lustful intent, is that there is a, a plan or something being conjured in the heart, that there is a, a thought life that attaches itself to that initial recognition of beauty or um, some sort of emotional connection in relationship, and then begins to create a script around it, begins to create um, a, a covetousness that seeks desire um, and it may, or, or that seeks connection. And it may not just be um, the physical sexual attraction that's sparking this. It could be the desire for another life, a desire for a different sort of marital arrangement. It could be um, a comparison of spouses. There, there could be a whole host of things that, that go into this. But this idea of lustful intent means really Jesus is tapping into this here that this, this conjuring of a plan, conjuring of a life, conjuring of another reality. And Jesus says, if you've done that, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So the second thing we want to say about this verse is the radicalness of it, right? So, so not only is this a profound teaching to help us understand the relationship of the inward to the outward, but it also communicates the radicalness of the demand of being a part of the kingdom of God that Jesus's values, priorities are completely different to that of the world. That of the world, which is get what I can get for my pleasure. For the disciple, it's I want to give what I can give for the glory of my king. 
two radically different approaches. And as you can imagine, the people would have been caught up short with this because after all, who has not committed adultery in their heart, okay? And so here, the idea is that as we're simultaneously um, reading this commandment and saying, I have completely failed and fallen short as a human being, then we are spurred to seek the grace of God. And as we seek the grace of God, our heart is transformed, okay? Versus saying, I don't do that, I'm good with this one, um, then we are blind and we are continually being blinded all the more to our sin. So this is our introduction to this, um, to this particular issue, the seventh commandment. Tomorrow, again, we're going to look at what are Jesus's words of warning? What are his strategies, so to speak, for the way to guard our heart in this area? That's what we'll talk about tomorrow. But for today, we read the sixth and seventh commandments. We realize we all have anger. We all have lust, lust of sexuality, lust of a different life, lust of or covetousness of something we don't have, um, people, relationships, things. Um, we, we have resentment and anger in our hearts uh, for what we don't have. And Jesus is calling us back here to say, um, I have a different priority for you as the kingdom, that you be happy and flourishing in me. All right, let's pray. Lord, these are hard words, and we need your grace in order to grow in them, to embrace them. And Lord, um, may it be your grace that transforms us, changes us, compels us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.